vocal exercises. <laughs> Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. <laughs> Welcome back to another insane episode of uh, Stranded and Streaming. That was Carter uh, getting his vocals ready for this fantastic, cheery, and obviously from the tune, Christmas episode, which would be like our second Christmas episode. Yes. But this one is very unique in its own way. Um, well, Carter, I guess let's tell him what are we doing? This week's episode is The Polar Express. Starring Tom Hanks, written by Tom Hanks. <laughs> Directed probably in part by Tom Hanks. Uh, music by Tom Hanks. Actually, it's Robert Zemeckis, but you know, oh. <laughs> Tom I, I, Hanks had a big, big stock in this project. <laughs> it, it is it is the Tom Hanks movie. This is it's, it's all it is. America's hardest working actor, as you lovingly <laughs> label him, the only working actor. <laughs> and now my keyboard on my uh, laptop doesn't work. Mm. But just I have all kinds of technical issues today. Well, we are a pretty low budget podcast. <laughs> so yeah this is if you send some checks people <laughs> this is where it needs to go <laughs> so anyway the whole running joke with tom hanks especially regarding this movie he plays what half the cast yeah <laughs> he he literally like besides the main character the young boy mm-hmm. he plays the well, rest of the movie and the other kid but to make this episode special we went on a polar express Ha ha ha. And so that's what really makes this episode. So I guess you know, by the time this you hear this, Klaus should be available. Mm-hmm. Fantastic film. But when you hear this, you kind of wonder why you guys doing two Christmas episodes. But I think December is a fun time. Yeah. It's and, the month of Christmas. Yeah. And, you know, my wife has been celebrating since November 1st. So <laughs> so why not do two Christmas episodes instead of just one? <laughs> for, for all the years that she's been around, she's been celebrating it since November 1st. <laughs> so for your wife, it's Halloween and then just Christmas. Yeah. There right? is no in between. Do you, are you guys big Thanksgiving people? Oh, yeah. I mean, we we both are. I feel like I am more so, but there's no real way to celebrate thanksgiving outside of family getting together and eating a meal like there aren't any big traditional thanksgiving movies there aren't any Mm. um there aren't any of those themes that are like traditional with halloween or christmas right like there's christmas movies there's christmas music there's halloween movies there's spooky music and things like that but there's nothing really for thanksgiving so it's kind of hard for me to convince them to set aside time for thanksgiving i guess <laughs> like <laughs> it goes from halloween to all right let's break out the christmas tree <laughs> november 1st on uh, november 1st and i'm just like but but it's it's still fall <laughs> it's, it's not winter yet <laughs> i'm still enjoying my pumpkin spice latte i'm not at peppermint yet <laughs> even starbucks has a smoother transition than the rest yeah. of the world <laughs> So it it's not that big of a deal. It's kind of a um not like a, a hill I'm trying to die on or anything like that. It's more of a, a running joke where I would rather celebrate Christmas in December than November and <laughs> Jacqueline and her family are just like, No, November first, the Christmas tree. This is the way Jesus wants it. <laughs> we will do it this way. <laughs> Cause Jesus strikes me as the kind of guy that is very hardcore about making sure you understand that Christmas starts on November first. <laughs> just to be clear. <laughs> The season must be early. <laughs> <laughs> you you want wine from that water? Well, it ain't happening if that tree's not out on November 1st. 
Okay, so <laughs> Polar Express. Anyway, <laughs> yes, we went to uh, a Polar Express excursion in Chehalis, Washington, um, over on the west side of the state. A little place called the Chehalis Railroad and Museum mm-hmm. puts on an annual program. They do other seasonal events, but their uh, it looks like their more popular one is the Polar Express, where they they take all of their passengers from their station in Chehalis to the North Pole and back. Big deal, guys. Oh, yeah, big deal. This is the cheapest way to get to the North Pole, by the way. Like, (laughs) frighteningly like uh, affordable. Mm -hmm. I I was, when you were like, hey, do you want to go on the Polar Express? I was like, oh, man, it's going to be $600, (laughs) and it's going to be stupid, and there's going to be reindeer poop everywhere. It's going to take hours. Yep. (laughs) Gosh, from Washington to the North North Pole and back, that's a long trip. This, uh, This was like 40 minutes? I'd say about 40, 45, something like that. Yeah, so you can get to the North Pole and back. Under an hour, mm-hmm. you get hot chocolate, you get a cookie. Mm-hmm. Did you give Becca her cookie? We did, yes. Was she, she thrilled? She really appreciated that. She almost cried. Oh, okay. That's good. Yeah. That's that's the kind of like thanking I want to see on Thanksgiving before <laughs> I send Sylvester Stallone to gun down your family. <laughs> so you get, you get hot chocolate, a cookie that's lovingly uh, crafted that says Believe. Mm-hmm. The hot chocolate says Polar Express. Mm-hmm. Everything was logoed and trademarked. So I'm wondering if maybe this event is like sponsored by Warner Brothers somehow. Oh. Or some sort of connection there. Because like otherwise they'd probably be paying a ton of money to be borrowing licenses and stuff for this. So I, I wonder if it might be like a program that they were able to partner up for. I feel like the author of the book probably would be the first guy to like, it may be just out of like kindness too, you know? Because I mean- Obviously, the uh, the railroad museum and stuff—they're not like a a mega, you know, money grab place. I mean, they're literally like a a cultural revelant thing over there. Mm-hmm. Trains are a thing, right? <laughs> but like, they don't strike me as the—and this is my first experience with them—but they don't strike me as a, one of those like, you know, oh yeah, like it's you know, it's it's fifty dollars to say hi to Santa kind of people, right? It's more of a it, it definitely has the feel of more of a mom and pop shop kind of place, yeah, just just a local tourism kind of thing yeah but yeah very cool experience all the little memorabilia you get a, a you get the first gift of christmas you get a bell at the end <laughs> from from santa himself who's fit who who is fit af okay like if, if any of you out there have a santa fetish this is probably one of the hottest santas i've like seen in person to ever hand a bell to small children i mean he is I, I, <laughs> Keep the beard. I don't care. Like if there's a sexy Santa calendar, this this is your guy. So <laughs> the Polar Express in Shailas. Yeah, he looked like he had slimmed down a little bit, probably on a diet between you know be- between seasons. I I think we were talking about it. It's uh, I think you you think it was you think it's Jenny Craig. I strictly think it's he's on the Jenny Craig diet diet only because you know he lives in the North Pole. Probably kind of disconnected from the latest trends and oh. the news and things like that. And Jenny Craig was popular however many years ago. Like early, know. mid-2000s? Yeah, 10, 15 years ago. So he's he's back on the early <laughs> 2000s trends. Hasn't really upgraded from his flip phone yet. So what you're saying is the elves are trying to get high-speed internet and Santa is just not <laughs> he's having on that dial shit. up. <laughs> it's worked fine for 240 years. It's going to be fine. <laughs> He only just got dialed up last year. Okay, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So next to toys and woodworking uh, tools, it's like old, like good housekeeping magazines from the 2000s. Yep, and yep. Better Homes and Gardens, the Jenny Craig Diet, <laughs> flip phones, and dial-up internet. 
That's that's Santa right now, just because you know high speed hasn't reached him yet. Comcast hasn't expanded up to the North Pole. <laughs> and I think over there in uh, Chehalis, it's a uh, CenturyLink. So um, <laughs> if uh, the ads come on and CenturyLink pops on, you know, yep, goods and services, CenturyLink, folks. <laughs> so anyway. Would definitely recommend the trip over to Chehalis to ride the train for the Polar Express experience. Yeah. Very cool. Very kid-friendly. The hot chocolate. I don't know how they make it. I don't know what the recipe is, but it must have come with the whole program thing because it was the perfect temperature and it was delicious. Hot, hot, hot. Oh, my gosh. It was hot, hot, hot. Hot, hot, hot. <laughs> it was very good. So a uh, scale of one to ten. 10 being you'll mow down a village of Vietnamese people <laughs> with a minigun. Good. How about 10 is would go back next year? <laughs> you take all the fun out, out of the show, Carter. You're just, you're a real Debbie. Death. I'm no Rambo. <laughs> <laughs> but let me tell you, I would mow down a village for another one of these hot chocolates. <laughs> Yeah, I, I really, you're right. You're right. I don't think anywhere that expression would land well. <laughs> don't invite us to your tourism board because uh, I would ruin it. Man. <laughs> but yeah, all that to say, I would definitely go again. And I think, you know, next year is looking good for another opportunity to go. And mm. our child will be older and able to maybe recognize things like Santa and the sleigh bells and all that. So should we do a big group event? That might be fun. Maybe we can get a few people. I don't know if you're listening. Uh, comment on our Instagram by the time you hear this episode. Let us know if maybe we want to do a large group thing. We can partner up with uh, Shehalis and Railroad Museum, and maybe we can get something going. <laughs> the fun, the stranded and streaming Polar Express experience. <laughs> One night only. Yeah. And then I'll dress up as Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> but... But I'll talk and it'll be captions and then you have to actually do the impression. So you'll voice me. <laughs> so then it'll be like a perfect blend of Polar Express and a Kung Fu movie. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Hitting all the bases. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> I guess we'll get on track. Bring it back now, y'all. <laughs> yeah. Re- reel it in. Sorry, Jacqueline. <laughs> this happens every time. It's not Carter's fault. It's my fault. <laughs> it's just... Getting railroaded. <laughs> definitely getting derailed for sure oh how fitting Mm. so we got polar express came out in 2004 directed by robert zemeckis yes and tom hanks plays everybody i'm just i'm just gonna remove every other character's (laughs) input like every other actor's input in this movie just to let tom hanks have his moment oh yeah uh okay so before we go uh into it well we do spoilers right um and before we give the spoiler warning I would say that this is the Polar Express. It's an older movie, so most people would have seen it by now. Mm -hmm. If you haven't seen it already, great Christmas classic, worth seeing at least once. I would say it's a must-see if you have HBO Max. Um, It's currently streaming on Mm -hmm. HBO Max. Uh, My family has had it since probably the first year or maybe the year after it came out, just on DVD. Oh, back in 2004. Oh, yeah. It's been a regular view every almost every Christmas since then. So yeah, I would, I would say it's a must see and it's become kind of a tradition in within my family to, to watch it every, every time Christmas comes around. So oh, yeah, wow. I, I'd say must see. What would you, what would you say? Uh, <laughs> full disclosure this year. And I would say literally within the last week is the first time I've seen it. So it's super fresh. 
but it's literally been my own experience. Dylan has a unique perspective. A completely, <laughs> tragically unique. <It's laughs> been living under a rock since 2004. Yeah, I literally did not realize Tom Hanks was this hardworking. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so Vietnamese family, Buddhist family, Christmas. We have nothing against Christmas. It just never was like a thing. But we do like celebrate because it's, it's like that time, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when you're in school and it's like, oh, we're all going to the thing. Like you may not. It's not your thing, but you'll go do it because it's just what it is. I know you've at least acknowledged Christmas since I've known you. Yeah. Even it, if you haven't fully celebrated. Yeah. You know? and, and, and I always end up celebrating it. But it's like if Christmas doesn't happen for me, I'm not like, oh, no, like my family traditions. It, it's not like that for us. <laughs> this year is ruined. Yeah. <laughs> it is bad. <laughs> um, and, and also to factor in, I had a very weird childhood. Like you have like um, with your family, this very like tight. Uh, and now even with your wife's family, like you guys have these traditions, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, being immigrated people, like our, our traditions had to be left back home because it's kind of like you have to, you have to kind of blend in. You have to ad- adopt new things. So Christmas, we did go to like friends, house, their friends houses and stuff, but it was always like weird because the Vietnamese community is not all, um, they're not all Buddhist. There's, you know, Christians and Catholics, very, lots of Catholic, a lot of Catholic Vietnamese people, which is shocking to me, but interesting. I see it. I, Cause you know, Catholicism, I'm like Ireland. Like that's like the first place, like, <laughs> like the Catholic church destroyed Ireland. I'll do, let me be Frank. There's a lot of history there. Google it. <laughs> all right. We've hit politics. We've hit religion. What else can we do? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no LGBTQ stuff to discuss in Polar Express, but there, there, there is class warfare. There is a poor child that I feel like should be, <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> Anyways, Polar Express, HBO. Yeah, I think if you have access to HBO, stream it. It's a it's a good time. Mm-hmm. Especially if you haven't seen it already. Yeah, d- d- someone like me. I'm the perfect candidate. Definitely worth seeing at least once. At, at least once. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's it, but at least <laughs> once. <laughs> so if you haven't, yes. If you do, if, if, but see, I don't want to like crap on anyone's tradition. Like, like it sounds so cool that it's a tradition. But mm-hmm. like for me, I feel like the Grinch is a higher like i have to see it like around christmas time at least once that's one of my things and i I would i would agree with that the grinch is definitely more well known like that's that is a more more of a classic story this one you know it its roots start in 2004 so it's not as well known (laughs) it's not as big of a classic yeah whereas dr seuss you know i don't even remember what year 1957 oh yeah published as a book by random house in 1957 Mm -hmm. Uh, approximately the same time an issue of red book the book criticizes the commercialization of Christmas and the holiday season, mm-hmm. which I think really ties to my attitude about about the consumerism of Christmas. Yeah. But I totally respect and I love the idea of Christmas. You know, like, boom, my dude, Jesus's birthday. That's cool. And as a Buddhist, man, I love saying that because it's like that's because <laughs> for Buddhism, it's kind of like leave everybody alone. That's kind of like the theory, right? Right. If you do shitty stuff, you're fucked <laughs> and you get to pay it in the next life. And if you don't, then maybe, just maybe, you'll make it out of this slightly alive, which why <laughs> The Matrix is fantastic. <laughs> but uh, but I don't necessarily say it's something that like, oh my gosh, like if you don't see Polar Express, I've made it this far, you know, mm-hmm. I guess I'm not a good example because I'm a very broken person. <laughs> I've survived so far without seeing it and I'm happy I saw it. Mm-hmm. I'm much more happier with the experience of going on the Polar Express. I think that's a must do. Yeah. If you live in the side of the state or have the um the funds and the access resources to go have a good time, I you gotta go to the the Chehalis Polar Express train ride. That was incredible. Very fun. Yes. Yeah. So okay, here's a warning. Spoiler warning. 
Which brings us to Juicy Deets and Fresh Beats. Oh, yeah. All right. So the spoiler warning's there mm-hmm. for the eight people that haven't seen Polar Express, <laughs> including me, <laughs> a week ago. I did not realize how culturally a big deal this. Our friend, um, our mutual friend, Autumn, mm-hmm. which introduced my significant other to Polar Express, like to like see. Yeah. It's a big stinking deal for her. Like that is the movie to play. It's her Christmas movie. That is her Christmas movie. Okay. Yeah. Or, or one of, but like that is on the playlist. Like she will stab you if you don't play Polar Express. Oh, yeah. And she's, she's serious. <laughs> <laughs> now it's for your family growing up. Is it now like introduced into your own family now that married kids i would say i would say yeah i definitely like have nothing against it it's not the it's not at the top of my list for Mm. christmas musts every year but it's definitely it remains a classic okay just because you know it's been part in it's been part of the traditional list of christmas movies that we watch in my family for more than 10 years now so it's kind of you know part of the routine this not, is what not I sure do. If routine is the right word, but you know what I mean. It's yeah. part of our Christmas playlist. Your, I guess. your family uh, cultural fabric, mm-hmm. I think. Which yeah, is, which is wonderful because that's what you need, right? Mm-hmm. Christmas Vacation, Home Alone, The Grinch, Die Hard, Die Hard, obviously, and now um, Return of the Jedi, <laughs> Star Wars Episode Six. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which I only learned on the train ride from Jacqueline. <laughs> Thanks, Jacqueline. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll we'll put a little hint on on our Instagram about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll make sure to share that for you too. Stop by. So there are definitely a lot of better known Christmas movies mm. that are on the playlist. Mm. This one hasn't been on there quite as long, but it's still, I would say, a good classic movie. Okay. All right. So uh, Robert Zemeckis brought us this film, or I, he didn't bring it. I mean, it was actually originally a book, right? Which yes. is, this is all new facts to me. I didn't realize Polar Express was a book. Correct. <laughs> we don't have to pay for that sound, Carter. We can just press it. <laughs> God, you cheap bastard. I guess, yeah. <laughs> I do my own stunts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> okay. So this is originally a 1985 children's book by Chris Van Allsburg. So thanks, Chris. Yes, thank you. You've uh, you literally gave Tom Hanks like the perfect literal vehicle mm-hmm. to get on board. Uh, I keep saying Robert Zemeckis directed it. Some people may recognize, some don't. This is the guy that originally directed all the um, Back to the Future movies. Mm-hmm. Big name in Big. science fiction. Big from, from the eighties, <laughs> <laughs> which explains why uh, the book. What the book came out in eighty five. Yeah. So I feel like Zemeckis just kind of hopped on board. Um, you will notice a weird trend that Zemeckis does a lot of work with Tom Hanks. <laughs> Castaway. <clears throat> Castaway, yeah. Obviously, this movie, The Polar Express. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was one other one. I think you mentioned a couple others, yeah. Oh, yeah, the big one. Forrest Gump. <laughs> I love you, Jenna. <laughs> I shouldn't do that because it's like that's what everyone thinks, right? I'm not a smart man. <laughs> <laughs> but I can play all the characters on your train movie. <laughs> You you want to do the rundown, or should I do my terrible rundown of? I kind of want to hear it from your perspective, just because you saw it the most recently, hadn't <laughs> seen it before. I think this is going to be a real unique experience here. A, a unique take on the Polar <laughs> Express. <laughs> I guess it'll introduce my beef and stuff. Um, for the fresh deets portion of this, the because the meat of the episode is you know the the deets mm-hmm. details and fresh beats. There's not much music that I've cared about in this because they all sound like Hallmark music. Yeah. 
but everyone else loves the music. So you're going to have to represent everyone else. So since you mentioned that, and and I'll, I will talk about the music a little bit. Alan Silvestri was the composer. Mm-hmm. He's done a lot of good work in <clears throat> in movies recently. Um, I want to say he's done some Disney movies. I'd have to look him up to look at the, the history there. But anyway, he... And Josh Groban mm. got a Grammy for the song Believe. So that <sighs> that's pretty significant. <laughs> I feel so bad because I just... I'm, I'm talking about Polo Express like it's some throwaway like $5 bargain basement direct-to-video <laughs> film. But apparently this is... A, this is a, I, and it still blows me away that this is a huge freaking deal. It I don't know if I'd go that far. It is a, it is a big deal. We rode but... a freaking train themed after it with themed chocolate. Okay, and... that's a pretty big deal. It's a it's a huge <laughs> deal. People dressed up in matching clothes. Mm-hmm. I mean, wore their pajamas to to the train ride. Yeah, yeah. Jenny Craig Santa was there. I mean, <laughs> it's nuts. It's this is way. I have not been on a Grinch train ride. That's yeah. There, I can't think of one that exists. You know, and maybe it's because I am the Grinch, and I just stand there like all year long in like the holiday stores and being like, "Ah, you fucking people need to be at home." Just hating the Who's. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely dislike the Who's. <laughs> they're weird, weird nose, and they're just they're just too teary for me. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yes, Josh Groban, Alan Silvestri, they got a Grammy for the song. It's featured at the end credits, but this is one of those movies where. The song that was written for the movie mm-hmm. turns into the main theme for the soundtrack. So oh. if you if you listen to the song first, just like the song, the Josh Groban song, believe okay. if you listen to that, you'll notice that it's kind of put throughout the movie. Okay. So I'm trying to think of other movies that have had that. Um, can't think of any examples off the top of my head, <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I do, do. Um, I'm not a smart man. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, it it's one of those films that takes a song that was created for the movie and it kind of becomes the soundtrack. So you'll you'll hear it from the beginning. The signature theme is believe. Okay, which I did not hear, so I guess that's why it was not. It didn't even hit for me. Yeah. And you don't actually hear the song itself until the end credits. So it'd be worth watching again just to kind of pick up on that. I'm definitely going to watch it again just because of my very, mm, how you say, unique view on this film. (laughs) How you say. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. So to sum it up easy, there is, well, there's a main character and he's not even named. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Because no one, the recap of the movie, he's just, he's referred to as hero boy Mm -hmm. because Tom Hanks actually did the motion capture for him. And the adult voice, which is the voice of him like talking about like, because this is all kind of like a weird him telling about this story. A reminiscent story. Yeah. yeah, Of this movie. Mm -hmm. But so Hero Boy, which I'm going to say entirely privileged child. (laughs) He lives in the wealthy end of town with his, you know, very well off parents. And that's no crime. I have nothing against him. It's just he has a, a better life than, you know, most kids. Because in the movie, I see another boy. He has a name. His title is Billy the Lonely Boy. <laughs> His title is Billy the Lonely Boy. They could have just stuck with Billy. I don't know why they needed to add the the description. <laughs> well, he is sad AF when you even see him. And I was, he was the only, like, so the movie opened, uh, we got Hero Boy, mm-hmm. main uh, protagonist here. Mm-hmm. He's going to bed. He, he, The big plot point is that he questions if Santa's real. Right. 
which I think when missiles are falling in the Middle East and, you know, children are converted to skeletons, I think there are bigger problems than, you know, hero boys issue of believing in Santa. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh-huh. and maybe it's because I'm saying this from a a larger, more adult perspective. But yes, it, a lot of the innocence is removed from me for some reason. <laughs> yeah, the, the the kids' perspective, there is a lot more innocence there. They're not thinking about the global issues of right. whether or not they're going to survive to the next day. You know, there's actually room for them to think in their heads. Okay, <laughs> so these gifts that show up under the tree every year, who's the guy that brings them, and is he real? <laughs> I think Hero Boy would be a very good investigative uh, journalist mm-hmm. as an adult. Because he's questioning where the goods are coming from. Right. Yeah. Which at some point, it's just like, I'm surprised we didn't go into it, but the factory of elves is probably just Chinese people in a massive, like, clouded industrial zone pumping out, like, (laughs) consumer goods, right? And electronics (laughs) and these fun, fun toys. But Mm -hmm. anyways, Hero Boy is very concerned. This this whole purpose in his life is to figure out if Mother Truck and Santa is real. and, and, And But I don't know what that does because the path logic is... If Santa's real, then great, right? But if he's not, then 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 ooh boo hoo. But like, I don't know how this affects him, so I can't relate to the main character. <laughs> but I get his his issue. Yeah, and it starts out with that, and then literally from the moment of the only thing that made sense right there was him wondering if Santa was real or not, then going to sleep, and after that, for me personally, utter effing chaos. <laughs> Just a, a train shows up, a magical train, which technically starts out as the the radiator that mm-hmm. keeps him warm in his room. Uh, boom tom hanks the conductor he comes out all aboard this kid has no freaking idea what's going on there's a big massive vehicle with other children only in their pajamas which feels kind of slightly predatory to me (laughs) they could just be wearing normal clothes they pick them up in the dead of night (laughs) red flag (laughs) well also the kids don't all share the same perspective obviously this this kid hero boy he is the one that's kind of questioning whether or not christmas is what Christmas actually is, whether or not Santa's real, all that stuff. All the other kids seem to be excited about going to the North Pole mm-hmm. and are totally in for it. Like, just, they're all down. And nobody else seems to be sharing any concern or questioning the existence of the train and mm-hmm. the trip that they're taking. So, yeah, I thought that was very interesting, too. Like, is it really meant to be a train ride for all of the... um potential crucial year kids or is this Mm. just anybody who wanted to meet santa and regardless of their reasoning just got picked up like i don't know the length of the train tells me that there's limited seating yeah and they're only in the one car there's not even like enough children to fill out the whole car (laughs) certain scenes it seems like there is certain scenes there isn't Mm -hmm. there's also like a vip car that's got like like bigger seats not like bus bench seats it's like the lounge car yeah, so they have that car. So there's there's more seating, but there's not like there's not enough children for the mass of this train, <laughs> which is you know, it, there's just just weird things like you're hanging out, you're going to sleep, a man in a mustache shows up in this massive train that doesn't ho- like holds a lot of people, doesn't have a lot of people. So like I'm feeling like this is some, I would be very hesitant of getting on this train, <laughs> and the conductor is not exactly a welcome like he's a welcoming guy, but in a very odd like uncle way. So now think about eight year old you. Would eight-year-old you still be as hesitant to board the train? Absolutely. (laughs) And I will tell you this story, because I know myself. I was in band as as a child. Okay. What instrument did you play? I played the the saxophone and the clarinet, but I started out with this clarinet. And then, so all the elementary schools do a concert downtown. Maybe you did this too. I don't know if you did. 
I wasn't in band. No. Okay. Yeah, because I, I was a band, like, I wasn't like a full band nerd, but like, yeah, I, I started playing a snare drum later on to meet chicks Okay. in middle school. <laughs> yeah, because drummers get chicks. Oh, dude, yeah, drummers get chicks. If you're in marching band, you get chicks. <laughs> I'm a very, very broken man. You should understand this when you started the show with me. <laughs> but I played clarinet and we all went downtown and there's this big concert. And then my, my very Asian parents who just are like, well, I guess we'll just go like see this. But like, again, no social relevance to them. Right. My parents are like brutally socially like inadequate. And it's, it's hilarious because I'm like, this is what people do. And they're like, why? Why do people do this? And, and then it makes me question. I'm like, well, yeah, why do people get on these fucking trains to go see Santa? That makes no sense. Really? Yeah. Weird. <laughs> But we got on, um, so there's a concert, and a spokesman review photographer was coming through. Mm-hmm. And mind you, I'm in like sixth grade at this concert thing. Right. And he was coming through, and he was taking pictures of the kids for the paper. And he's like, hey, may I get your name, you know, so I can get it accurately on the paper? And I was like, no, I don't know who you are. <laughs> like, I was like suspicious of this <laughs> newspaper photographer. So maybe that would have been like a path to fame. But I shot it down because I was very suspicious of the man. I, I refused him. I don't even know. To this day, I still think about that. And I'm like, I feel so bad because like I shoot photos now. I'm just imagining like an actual spokesman review photographer wearing a press pass. Yeah. He totally. I remember because it was like, but are you like, <laughs> I could print that. I don't that. know you. <laughs> I don't trust you to take my picture or collect my name. Well, it was weird. He took the picture first and then asked me the name. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you were probably still featured, but you were the nameless Asian boy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> lonely boy. <laughs> Billy the lonely boy is probably what he wrote. Billy the lonely broken boy. Oh, no. With his sad little fucking clarinet. <laughs> so, yes, I do not. Eight-year-old me would have not trusted this. Okay. Yeah. So, anyways. That's, that's fair. <laughs> Uh, hero boy, main character, gets on the train, and then just pure like chaos ensues. He meets another girl, um, a very nice little young black girl. Mm-hmm. And what's strange to me is that this is the kind of black girl that you give people who've never seen black people. Okay, like they describe black people mm-hmm. to the the animating team who has never seen a black person in their lives and has no black person on the team, <laughs> and their job is to animate this from description only. And yeah, so there's that too. <laughs> just- the animating team was at a disadvantage. <laughs> Massive disadvantage. No fault of their own. They have just never met or seen a black person. Sure. It just doesn't feel authentic is what you're saying. It does not feel authentic. Yeah. yeah there's just something about the girl. And, and it's not just the girl. It's everyone. And I guess I found out that the major complaint is the eyes. The eyes are kind of... Because we're, kinda, we're still at that weird stage of CGI where people... Like, this was a big deal, big budget movie. Yeah. And... Very ambitious for 2004. Yeah. There was just something like kind of lifeless, but I guess it was a big learning curve for CGI and animation studios, right? Right. And actually, now that you bring that up, I've got a couple things. In the 2006 Guinness Book of World Records, this film is listed as the first all digital capture film where all acted parts were done in mocap. Oh. So this really was a big, ambitious project that had not been done before. I mean, obviously animation had been done before and all that but like motion capture the digital capture yeah. format like that was brand new and you mentioned the dead eyes yeah like, have you heard of the uncanny valley theory yes that's kind of what it reminds me of just like it's obvious that they were attempting to go for very accurate animation that looks very human very real mm-hmm. but it's just just under that level of like 
it feels real, but also you can tell that it's not real. Mm-hmm. And that little gap between real and not real and the and the ability to tell the difference is disturbing. Mm-hmm. And really, it's a good movie. I can get behind it and all that. But I agree. The whole um, it, it's very Uncanny Valley esque um, with the way that they look and especially the eyes. They, yeah. Just the facial expressions, the eyes, the whole thing. Like it's very. They tried really hard to make it human, yeah. but there's just something missing. And it could be just not quite advanced far into CGI and all that. Yeah, The motion capture was done really well. But yeah, there's that little element of humanity. Yeah, just the faces. Just not quite there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, it's you're, you're totally full respect to the artists and the teams. And, and I make these like cracking snide remarks, but I really, <laughs> I do want to give credit where credit's due. Like you literally were the first mm-hmm. and which makes me feel even much more terrible watching this as like, just like an everyday, like, Oh, let's put it on. Like uh-huh. no clue. Like I literally am a man that was under a rock that did not know the social relevance <laughs> of Polar Express. Didn't even know it was a book. Mm-hmm. didn't even know it was like the first big deal. You know what I mean? Right. Didn't even know Tom Hanks played everyone until like, and I didn't even look at the actors. I just started watching the movie and I'm like, that's your, that sounds like Tom Hanks. And I was like, well, that sounds like Tom Hanks too. (laughs) And then I'm like, so did, was it so expensive to hire Tom Hanks that they couldn't afford anybody else? Or is because Tom Hanks was like, well, if I'm going to be a part of this project, I get to be everybody. I really would be curious to find out how that happened. Yeah. Because, yeah, he voices Santa. Yeah. He voices the hobo that lives on the train, mm-hmm. the conductor, the dad at the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. and I'm sure there are others. I, uh, Well, obviously, the narrator of the older version of Hero Boy. Yeah. So, yeah, there's five right there out of the total cast of 18 people. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but, no, I, I agree. You're right on. The whole thing is very ambitious project very well done mm-hmm. it's just missing something where they're trying to be too human yeah but not quite there and the animation is really good but there's just something missing where it feels a little bit weird it's really good and really bad at the same time it's those human traits where you notice things that are just slightly off mm-hmm. and uh tara told me she said the audio doesn't quite match where like the voices, I mean, they're literally just like 0.2 seconds behind, mm-hmm. but it just, there's that delay. Uh, one thing about the Tom Hanks thing, it cracks me up. The conductor obviously kind of looks like Tom Hanks. Like they modeled people after Tom Hanks, mm-hmm. which is fine because that's the point because he plays all these characters. But then when they do the dad, which you don't even get a full shot of the dad, but there's just enough of a quarter. Like You shot. just hear his voice and up from his knees to the top of his torso. That's all you see. At the end, you do kind of see the corner of his head. Mm-hmm. And literally, it's just Tom Hanks. Like, they didn't even make him look like somebody else. They're like, at the end, they're like, dude, it's the ending. Who cares? And so, because I, you know, excuse me, they, you know they 3D scanned Tom Hanks to, right. to then add the mustache and all these features. Mm. But I, it's like they took, like, the standard, like, the, the first day, you know, digital picture of him. Mm-hmm. And at the end, they're like, well, he's already everybody. We might as well just. And then they just made a 3D model of Tom Hanks. <laughs> You'll notice this at the end of the movie when the dad's like closing the door with the mom. Right. Which I think he plays the mom too. Like <laughs> credit to the woman who did play the mom voiced her. But I think to, thanks Tom Hanks for playing dad and mom. After having so many other characters voiced by him, it's hard to, yeah. it's hard to not entertain the thought. <laughs> I think there was an argument in the room where Tom Hanks pulled out a gun and then they had to call security because Tom Hanks wanted to play the black girl too. <laughs> Like he was like, I'm going to do it. Five parts already, Tom. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> Getting a little greedy over there. 
Because <laughs> uh, she's she's hero girl. Yeah. So it's she doesn't even have a name. No. The only person that gets name is Billy the Lonely Boy, which is the only character I relate to. <laughs> the boy that does not trust the spokesman review photographer. <laughs> okay, so hero boy gets on the train. All these adventures happen. It it just it doesn't make sense to me because all these massively wild things happen. Mm-hmm. But prior to all them starting to unfold, you meet um, Billy. His whole inter- exchange was the thing that actually captured my attention and interest in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Billy comes from this kind of obviously uh, a much more rundown home. It's from the other side of the tracks. The, yes, there you go. It <laughs> alludes to a social economic social class. divide. Yeah, you know, yeah, definitely. So he's of a lower income household, mm-hmm. and we don't know if his parents are abusive or I mean they may just be people that are trying their best and they just they're not you know they're they're just getting screwed right mm-hmm. by the system or by whatever and billy is the boy that actually has to pay for it like growing up so like i'm instantly engaged with billy mm-hmm. and tom hanks comes out of the train and he's like are you getting on or not like he's being a total dick to billy <laughs> and i'm like look at this poor fucking kid i got a schedule to keep are you coming or not <laughs> yeah it's like i don't care if you haven't eaten in 3 days like we got hot chocolate you know on or off <laughs> In or out. <laughs> Close that door. We're not heating the whole neighborhood. Like, he is just like, I feel like I'd come at him with some compassion and be like, Billy, did you want to go? So, <laughs> the conductor's weird aggressiveness with a child mm-hmm. is just really throwing me off. The kid just has, like, these rubber boots on. like And a nightgown. And, and a nightgown, mm-hmm. which is it's just weird seeing kids in pajamas in this thing. I, and I don't know. It just it felt predatory, but only because it's a train ran by adults and then strangers. And everyone's okay with it. So Billy doesn't even get on. And Tom Hanks is like, whatever, homie. Like, All right, suit yourself. Toodles, bro. <laughs> hero boy, the only, I feel, heroic thing he did in the movie is to... Stop the train. Pull the tra- Yeah, pull the emergency stop mm-hmm. to let the poor kid on. And yet, the poor kid is let on. And Tom Hanks is like... You know, he, Tom, or the conductor, sorry. <laughs> I, I just keep saying Tom Hanks. That's what it is. Right. <laughs> the conductor freaks out. He's like, why are we pulling the thing? And, Who pulled that lever? Yep. And then the hero boy's like, uh, well, I wanted to, he wanted to get on the train. And instantly the conductor's attitude changes. Oh. He's like, okay. Like, like he's, but he's acknowledging the heroism of hero boy, mm-hmm. not poor kid who wants to you know lonely billy who wants to get on right and then lonely billy he, he puts him in the back i don't know if that's by choice or by lonely billy wanting to be in the back because people allude that he's shy yeah so maybe the conductor is doing the nice thing to give him his own space mm-hmm. which is pretty luxurious don't mind you i mean i'd, I'd take the back car too oh he got the whole lounge car all to himself <laughs> you want to know why i want to be in the back car because there's one fucking kid i absolutely hate and he has glasses, and I have glasses, <laughs> and I know I'm annoying, but this kid, this kid's another <laughs> level of annoying. And I know they wrote him on purpose to be annoying, mm-hmm. but he's like, he's not the fun annoying where you're like, oh, that guy's annoying. He's the bad guy. Ha ha. Mm-hmm. This kid is so annoying that I was upset every time he's on screen. <laughs> hey, hey, you want to you wanna know what kind of chain we're on? Huh? What do you? It's like, if you're going to ask a question, let the man answer. And he's like grilling the hero boy. Uh, does he even have a name or is it just annoying asshole boy? <laughs> I don't think that's his credit. Um, his character is called know it all <laughs> voiced by Eddie Deason. Oh my gosh. We can't even name these kids. They're just, they're just descriptive. Right. Hero boy, hero girl, know it all. Yeah. Billy is the only one with a name. <laughs> Why is this movie not centered around Billy? I feel like that would have been a captivating like take on this movie. Right. 
but it's not. So Hero Boy gets Billy on the train, and then the kids go on these wild adventures. Hero Boy ends up losing Hero Girl's ticket, the uh, the black girl that people can't actually like imagine what a black girl looks like. He's she, the conductor takes her back, and then I'm just kind of like, I mean, there's events are unfolding in this the this section of the movie, but the logic doesn't add up for me. Like I don't know why you know he comes outside with the the golden ticket right in his hand. And he knows, like, he's got, well, there's part of the, the story is that he's got a ripped hole in his pockets mm-hmm. that he continually puts things in. It's like, if you know that pocket's got a hole, homie, that, that pocket is, like, off limits now. Right. <laughs> don't do not do it. As an adult, I don't, <laughs> if I know a pocket's ripped, it's game over for that pocket. You will <laughs> never see another item or good in you. <laughs> <laughs> not until you're fixed or you're thrown away. Right. So, um, fun fact, since we're talking about the... Um, character names and the credits of the characters i just discovered that the person who voices hero boy uh-huh. not the tom hanks credit for hero boy the older version know, older version the narrator did you ever see spy kids yes i like, i faintly remember spy kids junie daryl sabara is the voice of hero boy that's the the one of the spy kids right the little brother yeah oh no way <laughs> I feel so terrible just shitting on this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I had no idea that was him until just now. I just looked it up. Well, he did a great job. He did. He did. He didn't. He didn't ruin my experience at all. No. (laughs) Whoever did uh, Know It All Boy, he walks the plank. Like, that's it. Like, like you were so genuinely annoying. (laughs) I I seek death. (laughs) Let me look him up. Eddie Deason. Let's see. He's done a lot of TV shows. So SpongeBob. um, Oh, I can't fault him for SpongeBob is incredible. Robots in disguise. um, Oh, is he one of the robots? Probably. Mm -hmm. Fairly odd parents. uh, Kim Possible. Yeah, he's he's done a lot of voice work, which makes sense because he does have a really, really high nasally voice. You know, what kind of train this is? (laughs) (laughs) Well, do (laughs) you? Oh, man. Just made my blood boil. I wanted to punch him in this mouth. Look at those presents. (laughs) I want all of them. (laughs) So, yeah, I I feel like a lot of actors that have really distinguishable voices like that really do voice acting. And that's just about it. Like, it's very difficult for them to transfer into live action acting just because of their well-known voices. And their experience in doing it. Right. I, okay, so let's. I'll give him some credit. Like he was so obnoxious that he sold me the role that he was obnoxious. There you go. Kind of so, like Joffrey from Game of Thrones. Yes, everybody hated the actor for a long time, but it's because he did so well portraying the character. Yeah, Joffrey is a dick. <laughs> Somebody should have lopped that kid's head off. Mm. I mean, he did get poisoned. I feel like the the lopping of the head, but you know what? The poison was slower, and terrible people need to die slow. So uh, Eddie Deason, who voiced Know It All Kid. Congrats to you. Good job. Know it all, kid. Definitely a slow death. <laughs> Maybe put him on the tracks and let the train run by. Oh, or the ghost of Tom Hanks can throw him out or something like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Speaking of which, there's a ghost. Uh, there's a... It's like a... The hobo. The hobo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is also... It, it alludes to a social economic class situation for me because it's like the hobo is a ghost. Let's be real here. He's a ghost. Absolutely. Yeah. It's very obvious. And he's tied to the train. So... Was he like an employee of the train that, you know what I mean? A disgraced employee that was thrown off the back. Right. Like (laughs) there are so many ways to interpret the hobo Mm -hmm. and he's, and he's having a good time, but he's also kind of wacky because he also ends up skiing on the roof of the Polar Express. Right. 
which is also just, I mean, the logic part of my brain just crapped itself. Like as, as soon as we got on the train, I was like, you do this. Like I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I was suspicious of everybody and everything. Mm-hmm. We meet the hobo. And that's the thing is it's just a massive, massive situations. And the key, the peak for me is the train Tokyo drift scene where they go down the world's steepest point And then the train, it, it, <laughs> if you know how trains work, <laughs> they go forward or they go backward. The turning is determined by the tracks. Right. There's there's no there's no steering wheel on a train. Like sadly, I guess. Nope. And the <laughs> wheels don't change direction. The wheels, yeah. The wheels either all both roll forward or roll backwards. They don't roll counter to each other. Somehow, well, they don't even show us the wheels rolling counter. They just kept putting the train forward and reverse because mm-hmm. the train was sliding out of control over this ice lake, so they can hit the other end of the tracks. And as this train was big car guy, spent a lot of time racing cars. <laughs> If you're going to get a vehicle to slide and then control the drift, the front wheels is what points and steers a car, thus steering wheel. Mm -hmm. And then the power is coming from the back, always at a forward motion. Right. How this train is delivering power from its all its wheels (laughs) (laughs) and, and how it steers. So the only way it can get to a left and right motion would be for one of like one set of wheels on one side to go backwards and one to go forward mm-hmm. to create a rotating, you know, like kind of like how a, a forklift works. I don't understand why this is happening. I don't understand why they're like they can't. Well, I mean, I, I know they can't put the brakes on it, but right. the fact that they control this train and yes, I get it's a magical train and and Santa and reindeer crap, you know, all that stuff. Do you know what kind of train this is? <laughs> it's a magic train. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I sure don't <laughs> get out of here. Know it all. <laughs> so, the, uh, yeah, just understanding anything I know about cars and physics, just general logic. There was a, a massive concern. So that part broke your brain a little bit. I, my brain is completely like, <laughs> so I'm down. My mental bandwidth is down to like 30% at that point. Because <laughs> I, I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And That's then there, not right. There's a musical number by Lonely Boy Billy, mm-hmm. uh, which was very touching and stuff. I will tell you this. Ironically, all these complaints I have, mm-hmm. the movie will not score bad. Like it won't be under five. Oh, yeah. So, which is the irony part? It's like I sound like it's kind of funny that it sounds like it's going to lead up to you like sound a, like you're tearing it apart, but really, <laughs> uh, where was I? The train, the, the drifting train, um, and the musical number from Billy. There's a musical number from Billy. Um, when Christmas comes to town, and and it's it's cute, it's touching, it's a good song. Well, it sounds like a Hallmark movie. Yeah, that's a problem for me. <laughs> <laughs> And it comes at a weird point, but I do like that it discloses something about Billy that Christmas never goes right for him. Yeah. Which breaks my little whatever's left of my Grinch heart. It's like, it's so sad of all the people. And Billy's not even like in questioning of Santa Claus. Billy's issue is that that time of year has never been positive for him. He hasn't had a real Christmas like what other what the other kids have. Hero Girl says, all the presents for the children wrapped in red and green. And Billy says... All these things I've heard about, but I've never really seen it. <laughs> and he doesn't even have a concern about believing in Santa Claus. Right. That's not his issue. Yeah. His, his beef is like, he's just had a, like, that's some trauma. Like, that's the kind of shit that if we don't resolve and help Billy out, mm-hmm. he's going to grow up to have some serious freaking problems. Right. Like, child development, it's very important. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't just have kids and let them run free. You got to take care of them. He's the kid that's going to grow up and become the Grinch. Oh, and there's a story that I can relate to. <laughs> That would be an incredible movie. Billy the Lonely Boy becomes Grinch. 
Uh, musical number. What they finally get to uh, the the North Pole. The North Pole. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm for that because it is like this massive European looking metropolis mm-hmm. described as an ocean liner floating on a frozen lake. I don't think the person that described it as an ocean liner understands what an ocean liner looks like. <laughs> this is like a continent. Mm-hmm. There there is in- well, from from a distance. I mean, oh okay, yeah. yeah when you get closer, obviously it's huge. Yeah, there's like infrastructure and a lot of railroad infrastructure like mm-hmm. there's full like train maintenance facilities and stuff mm-hmm. with the kind of architecture that i think is just built by an insane person like <laughs> the kids have this event where the train goes backwards they get stuck on it and it goes into like it rolls out of town into like the outskirts of the train yard just more hijinks <laughs> just constant hijinks like nothing can go right uh there's a bigger point to this is that i feel like the polar express is hogwarts it's a place where children go, and yet disaster follows at every turn. And you've got Harry, Ron, and Hermione just in, yeah. the, in the caboose. Yeah, in the midst of it, facing like whomping willows. We got three-headed dogs, murderous like wizards mm-hmm. that literally use spells that just kill people instantly. An instant off switch for other human beings is one of like their powers. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the Polar Express is... Hogwarts as a whole, as a children-based institution, it is a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> and and Dumbledore, the conductor. <laughs> yeah. Who's like slightly engaged with what's going on, but also kind of like, eh. who the blazes pulled that emergency brake? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're not worried about the kids almost dying, but you're very worried about people following the rules. <laughs> With what the rules leads me to believe is just introducing more chaos and danger and potential death to the children. So yes, the the train is Hogwarts, and at this point, I've, I'm fully committed to the idea that it is. Yeah, all they, right. They get out of the train. Uh, they go find Santa Claus, and I guess this is like the big the big moment, right? Mm-hmm. They end up with presents inside this this ginormous tower of presents, mm-hmm. and then there's elves that fly in with the star. Yeah, I sound like I'm completely like on hallucin like and and if you think I'm on drugs, that's exactly what it feels like. You're having a trip. This is a massive <laughs> freaking trip. Like there is much more efficient ways of running this operation and nobody wants to. Like it's all just very big and overblown and not ridiculous um spectacle. Wh- whimsical. Oh, whimsical. That's yeah, yeah. Yeah. Massive huge tree and yeah, they they float in the star on a what is it called? A dirigible. Yeah. Um just massive balloon floating in with the star to put it on the on the tree and it falls off and they have to collect it before it hits the ground and 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 for the dirigible to drop elevation mm-hmm. there's no button it's a balloon they release it just by force they just open it up and it lets out <laughs> air but it's too low mm-hmm. and if it's too low you can't refill it what do they do just man overboard. These elves just jump off the dirigible. Just parachute down. Right. And, <laughs> and the fact that they're wearing parachutes tells me that this is a scenario they're ready for. Mm-hmm. Like, the it's just so very frightening how this whole place works. All right, boys. Remember your training. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it worked too low. Jump. <laughs> to your fucking death. <laughs> so there's people that are rolling out parachutes for elves. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I guess maybe I'm too analytical, but like, there's all these things that like don't have answers for. And, and I don't get a resolution of anything. The North Pole is a strange and magical place. It is a frightening place for a man like me. <laughs> I cannot handle the North Pole. I, I, if Santa Claus comes to me on my deathbed, he's like, you should have believed. I'd have been like, you know what? Fuck you, Santa. I'm, I'm okay going out this way. 
I don't want anything to do with your crazy, insane town on a dirigible with your very train centric. There's a there's a massive investment in train a railway Ra- rail system. systems. Yeah. yeah. And I get that there's the one train, the Polar Express. That's it. Mm-hmm. But there's this like it seems like the whole town is built around train infrastructure. <laughs> yet Santa flies away mm-hmm. in his <laughs> his sleigh sleigh with the reindeer, yeah. which the reindeer are under some kind of animal abuse because that is some load and you watch them struggle. Like there's literally a whole scene of them struggling to get in the air, <laughs> which I understand now why Jenny Craig Santa is so fit because mm. he is a man who cares about the reindeer. Right. He's like, dude, I know you guys got to haul these presents. I can't be fat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing my part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a conscious decision. I feel like, Oh man. So, uh, Shayla's Polar Express, bless you for being considerate of the reindeer. Good on you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, this all madness leads up to Hero Boy mm-hmm. getting the bell from Santa. He's chosen as the, the kid who gets the first gift of Christmas. Which is very unfair. Billy should have gotten the first gift. Oh, totally. And Billy found, Billy like in the conveyor belt of presents, mm-hmm. Billy's like, this one's got my name on it. Shake, shake, shake. And then even at that moment, that moment, they're like, you have to wait for Christmas. It's like you entitled fucks. <laughs> you get Christmas every year. Billy hasn't gotten shit. Okay, I don't care if it's like used underwear in there. Like, let the man open the presents and for one moment of his life have just a slight bit of joy. Finally get something nice. <laughs> and he still has to wait for it. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> it'll come to you soon. <laughs> and whatever it is, it rattles. Mm-hmm. There's like a rattling noise, but he knows exactly what it is. So good for him. Mm-hmm. Has to put the presents back. Then And then we go back to Hero Boy. He gets the bell from Santa. Mm-hmm. And Santa treats Hero Boy like this Jesus. As if baby Jesus came back. <laughs> hero boy. I mean, obviously he's the main character, mm-hmm. but there is such a holiness to the hero boy of the essence of him believing in Santa, which then concerns me because why are you so insecure, Santa? <laughs> you need everybody to believe. in Yeah. You. <laughs> Specifically, this very nice, wealthy boy from a nice neighborhood. <laughs> like if he doesn't believe in me, all this is for shit. Ho, ho, ho. And then they, uh, what, they, Santa gives him the bell and then abuses some animals, flies off. Well, and the the thing with the bell is right before he gets picked to mm-hmm. go up and talk to Santa, he can't hear the bells. Oh, because that relates to the belief, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's been doubting this whole time and he's been struggling whether or not he actually believes or not that he can't hear the bells. So he can see them. They're bouncing around on, on the reindeer and... All the other kids are saying, oh, my gosh, it's beautiful. It sounds so nice. And he can't hear it. And he starts to have a breakdown. And one of the bells you know, falls off of the, the reindeer's harness. And, he, and it lands right in front of him. And he's sitting there shaking like, okay, I believe. I want to believe. <laughs> and then he can hear it after he decides he really believes. He's, he's seen all of this stuff around him happening. And finally, he can hear the bells after he proclaims out loud that he can he believes the spirit of christmas right and santa claus Mm -hmm. which are one one in the same or maybe none in the same i I can't tell (laughs) and santa claus also his face very frightening (laughs) like the most disturbing i thought like the other stuff was disturbing santa's face was the scariest part about this movie (laughs) it was you know those old coca-cola santa like metal tins yeah ads where like he's like this is like this happy old man jolly guy red cheeks yeah yeah but it's as if he like you're just sitting there looking at one of those like popcorn tins, mm-hmm. and then he came to fucking life. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't all proportionate. Mm-hmm. Like his face was, if you took 
like the shape of a snowman and then put eyes and stuff in it. It was a very like weird longer than it should be. Yeah. And most of Santa's length in his face is from his beard. Right. Not his face. Mm hmm. If you shaved, the, if you took the beard off of every Santa you can imagine in your head, his face is actually very short and fairly round, <laughs> chubby cheeks a little. But this one was like like awkwardly long. So you you've seen Hercules from from the nineties, right? The yes. Disney animated movie. Loved it. Have you seen the meme that went around for a while of the side by side picture of Zeus? With all of his facial hair and without. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> what you're describing, Santa? That's what it sounds like to me. <laughs> He's just got this thumb head, <laughs> no facial hair, <laughs> and it looks so bizarre because his entire face is just his beard. <laughs> if you shave Santa, you'll get exactly that, <laughs> but not Polar Express Santa. If you shave Polar Express Santa, it's like um, the big marshmallow guy from. Um, Ghostbusters. Stay puffed. Yeah, stay. It's like stay puffed. It's it's just upsetting. <laughs> That's the only word I can find. Uh, okay, so upsetting Santa shows up. Whatever. Everybody gets back on the train. They go home, mm-hmm. and then um, they drop Billy off. I like this scene because it's like the most like, everything that has to do with Billy. I'm for it. Right. Uh, Billy runs in the house, kicks open the door, grabs a present, comes out, shakes it. So it confirms for us as a viewer that Billy did get his present. Yep. And Santa had stopped by on the way home. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it's like, like, oh, thank goodness. Like one thing. <laughs> I got it. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't see what he gets. Right. That's left to mystery. And I think it's somebody else's Amazon return because it rattles. So oh, it's already broken. So I think at the end of this. Billy still gets shafted. Here, I'm hoping it's just a set of Legos or something, and that's why why it's making all that noise. <laughs> and you're over here like, nah, somebody's broken broken order from Amazon got returned and misshipped. Because I feel like Billy is such a kid that is in a, a, um, a dire straits yeah. that he doesn't have the same um, wishes as, say, a, a kid who has access to all the fun stuff. Mm-hmm. I think Billy's wish might be like something like, like I need a new pair of glasses because I can't see anything. Or like real pajamas instead of muck boots and a nightgown. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then somehow it's like frozen and rattling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Billy is my point. Yeah. Um, then they get home and then obviously he believes in Santa Claus because he saw the man for real. He, a hero boy does. Yeah. And then it's like it was like all a dream, right? They kind of alluded it was all a dream because then he he wakes up and then he rips his sweater again, mm-hmm. which I guess I I kind of glaze over the thing is he lost the bell, yeah, uh, because he like an idiot that hole in his pocket that hole in his pocket <laughs> that is automatically like you should decommission the pocket as soon as you know it can't hold shit. Yeah, that's its only job. Sew it shut or fix the hole. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pockets have one job. It does not do that one job. Don't use it. <laughs> is that so hard? <laughs> So Captain Hero Boy dipshit <laughs> puts the bell in his holy pocket, loses the bell. Santa, a man who, <laughs> disturbing as he looks, is busy. He's a busy man. Oh, yeah. He's already left. He, he started his evening out with delivering presents. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe this is just desserts because the only thing he got for Christmas was the bell. <laughs> I think he got other presents, though. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they did allude to that, right? Like yeah. there was other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Santa left him a little cute note because you know Santa plays favorites, obviously in this movie. And he's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, found a little, found something on the seat of my sleigh. <laughs> Better fix that hole in your pocket." <laughs> yeah, which also sounds like can be totally taken wrong. <laughs> you can't say weird stuff like that to children <laughs> that you don't know. <laughs> and yes, if my version of Polar Express sounds a little perverted, it is what it is. 
Uh, yeah, that's the end of the movie. And although they do add this little line, which is very interesting, it's <laughs> Tom Hanks once again, and he's narrating, and he mm. says, I still hear the bell, even though my friends don't anymore. Sarah doesn't hear it. Uh, yeah, his friends don't hear it anymore. Which is a very somber way to end this awkwardly toned movie. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, oh, well, it's a happy ending. It should be, right? It's like not happy. It's like it acknowledges some of the terrors and the sad parts about life out there mm-hmm. without directly addressing it or giving you closure as a viewer. Because <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I still believe, but nobody else does. All their life went to shit. Well, think about it. How many adults do you know that actually believe that Santa Claus is real? None. That's why. That's why it, it's it's a real thing. Like, so So you're saying that like eventually we all stop believing? I think so. And for me personally, Santa Claus was never like a real thing for me. (gasps) I know. (laughs) Just the way that I grew up doing Christmas and stuff, I always knew that it was parents that were heavily involved with it. And I didn't like intentionally go out and spoil it for other kids who were believers. Yeah. You know, but um, just knowing that, I don't know, it, I, I'm having a hard time recalling the whole thing, the ins and outs of it, but I, I do remember not fully, like, like being aware that Santa Claus is not really where all of these presents are coming from, but it's a cool story to explain it. Mm, like you accept the, the, the funness of it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not really sure what it's like for kids who did grow up believing that it was real and then, you know, were shattered bamboozled <laughs> hoodwinked <laughs> railroaded <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, finally find out the disappointing truth that santa's not real um pour, now's the time to pour one out for all your childlike wonders you guys <laughs> right but just like with like the klaus movie that we reviewed mm. there's a reasonable explanation for everything mm. like everything can be broken down and explained and if it can't well, I don't really have an explanation for that. So right, <laughs> that's the irony. But um, this movie has no explanations for anything. Well, it's not just this movie in general. I mean, more for Christmas. Oh yeah, like, that's true. Like yeah, you can explain finding Christmas presents under your tree because your parents put them there. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe there is some truth to the whole Chris Kringle lore and um, and all that. I d- I don't really know how much of it is true and how much of it is embellished. But we've got this santa claus thing now right and there's a santa claus story or a version for a lot of various cultures uh-huh. um so it's a pretty common thing which means there's got to be some sort of common thread that started it all yeah and i think you know have at least having the basis of a legend that started with some truth to where you can tell a story later on and it be based on something that may have been real mm-hmm. in the past. I think that's a good um, a good thing to acknowledge and be aware of. But like I said, I'm not sure what it's like for, for kids who did really believe it as 100% truth and fact that there is a man that lives up at the North Pole and makes toys all year and then delivers them all in one night. With you know? a totally enslaved group of ethnic people. <laughs> <laughs> the elves strike me as the Oompa Loompas. Like, you know, because uh, in Willy Wonka, it's kind of like, Oh, he saved them <laughs> and then took, brought them all of them, all the last known of mm-hmm. And now they're under his care. And it's kind of like, ugh. it sounds nice on paper, but it really, if you start thinking about it, it's like, well, that's, that's a stretch. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know about the elf situation. Klaus, the movie Netflix mm-hmm. did a really good job of giving me the, Oh, they're, 
they're they're ethnic people. Obviously, they're they're right. natives that are wanting to help out with mm-hmm. a positive purpose. The Samis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this movie, it's kind of like obviously all those massive homes house the elves, mm-hmm. so like they're treated to a you know a place to live and stuff. But it almost seems, I don't know, very Soviet. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can't be that happy all the time. You know, the, the, like this time comes once a year. Mm-hmm. But it's like I want to see a movie where what happens at, in the North Pole when it's not Christmas. Mm-hmm. You know, like June. <laughs> Sometime in June. They're still making toys, obviously. Uh, okay, that's... There's billions of kids all around the world. <laughs> Who's going to make the toys? So maybe... That, okay, you know what? With that argument, I can see that maybe that's why they're happy. Because like this is the only day of 365 days mm-hmm. they can actually just not have to make stuff. Just take a break. Yeah, and just parachute <laughs> to their own death, which may be like the positive for them. They're like, this is it. This is how it ends. Right. I jump off the blimp. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, that's all I, I got. Um should we go into visuals? Yeah. Visuals. It's the first, like, you, I'm learning from you directly now, recording this, that it's the first <laughs> foray into this. And so I'm going to give everyone, like, a C plus. Hey, you tried really hard. It just, <laughs> it didn't work out as good as we all wanted it to be. <laughs> but I can see where the effort was made. Visually, it's ghastly. <laughs> I I'm mortified by Santa. I'm I'm mortified by the hobo, and not because of his economic class. Just the fact that he shows up and he just scares the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> the everyone in this movie scares me, but Billy. Okay. <laughs> well, for uh, for my opinion on on visuals, I'm going to view it as when it was released. Okay. So obviously now. The animation does not hold up well. Yeah. And I would agree nowadays compared to modern technology and motion capture and CGI, all that. It, yeah, it is pretty. Uh, uh, it's it's not as good as what is dated. modern. Feels it, dated. It's dated. Yeah. yeah. But for when it came out, it was pretty realistic and it was very impressive how well they did with it. Yeah. The animation was really good for its time. It was ahead of its time. Very first big budget project for motion capture, all of that. So I would I would say visuals are good. It just doesn't hold up to modern tech. I feel like other movies came out during that era, though, that were animated. <clears throat> yeah, and it's possible that there were others that also did motion capture. But according to the trivia on IMDb, it said says that this is listed in the Book of World Records, that this is the first all-digital captures, meaning like from start to finish, it was completely motion capture and then digitally enhanced. Okay. No, I, yeah, that's, I guess that's where my brain like can't, I never claimed to be a smart man. (laughs) I'm not a smart man. (laughs) I'm definitely very Forrest Gump without like any of the achievements. (laughs) I'm I'm just what Forrest Gump would have been if just nothing amazing happened in his life. It's just normal. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, because in 2004, The Incredibles came out, but that's also Pixar. Yeah, and that's a whole different style of animation. And they're also like the the budget. It's just everything they have access to. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing Tara said to me is like, you can't even put Disney on the same map with the like people that are trying to make this stuff. So, I mean, Shark Tale came out then, mm-hmm. but again, that's not mocap. It's all just animated, period. That's DreamWorks, right? Yeah. 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 
again, another animation style that's very different, but also very good. Yeah. I think um, that the pure point is this is mocap, like start to finish. Everyone's actually acting out these scenes. Right. Totally different style. Yeah. I know we already covered music, but mm-hmm. I wanted to mention. So obviously Josh Groban did Believe yeah. and Alan Silvestri did the the soundtrack and all that. There is somebody else who does a song in here. And I feel like if it weren't for the credits, you wouldn't know. <clears throat> but it like I recognized his voice, but other people may not have recognized it just because it's not his usual style. Isn't he animated in this movie, too? He is featured as an elf. Yeah. You can see him. Okay. I, I know who you're exactly you're going for. So Rockin' on Top of the World, the song that plays after Santa has left and they're about to leave back to, to go home. Um, Steven Tyler. Of Aerosmith. Of Aerosmith. <laughs> Rockin' on Top of the World. This song was written by Glenn Ballard and Alan Silvestri, performed by Steven, Steven Tyler, and he's like, you can, you can see kind of a Steven Tyler-ish yeah. elf character. He's mo-capped in there, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> what a cash-in, huh? Right. He got his paycheck out of that one. Oh, yeah. And obviously, there's other Christmas songs and stuff, like Bing Crosby, Frank Sinatra, all that the the usual stuff that you hear when you put on a play classic Christmas music on Spotify or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, that's one of the original songs that was also written for the movie and performed by Steven Tyler. I don't have anything else for visuals. You got anything else? No, I think that's it. Should we go into scoring? Scoring. Scoring. Should I go first? Because I just talk so much trash i do i am curious to know what you how would you rate it after, after, after that uh, <laughs> that glowing review <laughs> i'm really sorry that i uh i just took a movie that literally is a part of your upbringing and i just completely uh crapped all over it oh but- no don't be sorry it it's your honest opinion shouldn't be, you know, I hope you're entertained by, it was very entertaining. My <laughs> massively disastrous take <laughs> on the polar express. Uh, poor Billy. Okay. Uh, one thing, this movie would have gotten a 10 if we just swapped hero boy for Billy and we got a much more believable scenario. But again, I say that statement, but it's like, it's based on a book that's, you know, it's like, how are you going to like, Oh, we're basing on the book and then totally rewrote all the characters. The characters do need names. That is, that is one of the things I wish they had done is actually given the characters' names, but I get why they didn't because it is based on a book. So, yeah, which didn't actually have like, to my understanding, the book didn't have all these characters, right? No, the book didn't feature anybody other than the kid. I mean, obviously okay. it included other kids, but didn't mention any of them, and they weren't featured. Like, there wasn't a know-it-all kid, there wasn't a um, hero girl, there wasn't a Billy, and you know, yeah, it it it, it lines up with <laughs> with the book that way, where they have these characters to fill out the movie. Yeah, but they weren't actually mentioned characters in the book. So yeah. This movie gets a 7.5 out of 10 for me. Really? And I would actually have given it an 8, but it's a 7.5. Wow. That specific 0.5 that it lost, and I'm petty as all get-go, and you'd think it'd be the Tokyo Drift scene, which I actually mentioned to you that upset me very much to see a train drifting around with a pendulum mass of the other cars Mm -hmm. not affecting its own behavior. But it was the chef's dancing scene. Food safety standards on the Polar Express is abysmal. (laughs) Fucking abysmal. Would you eat or consume food if a man brought it to you with his own, like your tablecloth is his own apron, and then he proceeded to dance and put his shoes all over the table? You know, I would have sipped the hot chocolate just to taste it, and then I would have lost it there because 
the hot chocolate's delicious. It's amazing. <laughs> so, so yes, I absolutely would. <laughs> it's just too magical of an experience. I'm sorry. Please don't put your shoes on my table. <laughs> Anyone who waits it. <laughs> I don't care if we're at Sherry's or we're on the Polar Express. Don't put your fucking shoes on my table. Please. Thank you. That's, uh, you can do, you can have your own musical numbers at the back car. Mm-hmm. You can have a hobo on top or under the train. We can we can go down the world's tallest cliff. Just don't put your Oxfords on my table. That's really funny that you mentioned that because I'm more disturbed by the whole uncanny valley thing. Mm. Especially like that is probably the most obvious yeah. in that scene is because they have no varying facial expressions. Yeah. All of the waiters and the two chefs, like they're throwing cups and trays and doing all their little dance numbers and stuff but they all have the same kind of blank stare expressionless faces while they're doing it their body is like expressing yeah their their faces doing all kinds of stuff they're tap dancing they're they're singing their mouths are moving but when they're not they're all they all look exactly the same they kind of have like similar mustaches but they're slightly different and i think they did that on purpose to make it look like they're not all the same person but i'm pretty sure like that's the most disturbing as far as the whole uncanny valley effect thing goes their faces just don't change they don't display any reasonable emotions they don't smile or wink or anything like during that whole portion they they dance they serve their hot chocolate they keep the same expressionless faces and then they all trot back to the to the other car (laughs) you know just whenever we review things and then you express your side of what's going on. Mm-hmm. It makes me really question if I have like high functioning Asperger's or something. <laughs> because everything you're saying is like true. Like I agree. It's very unsettling. You just didn't notice. It, it, that's the weird part is I noticed it and I, I accepted it. I was like, yeah, you all look fucking crazy. <laughs> but my beef. Stop touching my table with your shoes. <laughs> yeah. Shoes don't belong on the table. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's cool. What are you doing with your apron? Oh, no, it's the table. <laughs> not on not on the table. Oh, that's cool. What are you, why are you dancing on the table? Yeah. Don't dance on my table. Dance on the train car. Dance on the bench. Dance on the chair. Dance next to me on the bench I'm sitting on. I could bounce up and down while you're doing your dancing shit. Don't do it on my table. What is what is so hard about that? That's where I, I eat and consume. Mm-hmm. It's very unsanitary. <laughs> I don't know where your shoe's been. I don't know where this train's been. I really don't. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so 7.5 and, and th- th- it only lost half the point and why it's actually getting a seven is because it is entertaining in a weird way because I actually, as much as I torn in the movie, I had a good time and I attribute that good time to, and maybe I'm biased, but it's like also the train ride that we physically took mm-hmm. the fantastic memories we had. We, we made a whole weekend out of it. Yeah. Like it was a fantastic trip. And I think that that gave me a positive spin on the whole movie what is the spirit of Christmas? So it's not about believing in Santa is real or not. I think that's a total crapshoot. Mm-hmm. I think it's about doing fun things with people you care about. Yeah. And I was able to do that. But I also see that the kids got to have an adventure, a massively insane and irresponsible and dangerous one. But, you know, Billy got his broken Amazon package box. <laughs> and that's poor ass Billy. That itself in there is five points. Mm-hmm. So the other 2.5 points is the rest of the shenanigans. So yeah, you, you'd think this would be like a one star movie, but no, it's, <laughs> I, I had a good time. I would watch it again. I would still have exactly the same point of view. I have it mm-hmm. and nothing would change, but it, uh, it is not actually 
as terrible as they make it sound to be. So, uh, plot twist, right? All right. Now, what's your score, Carter? I'm going to give it an even seven. <laughs> is it lower than mine? Which is why I was surprised. <laughs> I totally thought you were going to go lower. <laughs> Let's change that to a quick 3.5 <laughs> so we can, we can make a, this whole theme fit. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah, so I'm giving it a seven. And my reasoning is... It is a great movie. It was really good and fresh and very ambitious when it came out. But it's not really, despite it being an actual original story, and it is based on a book and all that, it's not super unique. Mm -hmm. It is a really good Christmas story. It's become kind of a tradition in my family to watch it every Christmas season at least once. But that's about it. Yeah. Like it, it, it's a good story. It's, um, it holds no more like wait after, right? It just, yeah. it just happens and it's great and then it's done. Right. Okay. And I like that it has become kind of a part of our, of our, um, Christmas playlist, I think is what I said earlier. Yeah. And I really like it and enjoy it for, for that. And it is kind of becoming a Christmas classic, but it is less of a classic than these others that have been more established and been around longer. Like the Santa Claus with Tim Allen. Yeah. Fantastic movie. Great movie. I would rate that higher than The Polar Express. The Grinch. Okay. Big, big classic story. Okay. Agreed. Especially the more recent versions with like Jim Carrey and Benedict Cumberbatch. Like oh, the Benedict the new, Cumberbatch. New one. twist on an original classic, all that stuff. Yeah. The Polar Express, great movie. Not super duper special. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like a it's like generic Christmas. It feels hallmarky. Yes. No offense to Hallmark. No but offense it, to Hallmark. It's just not my thing. Yeah. Agreed. Mm-hmm. And that's why the music numbers didn't stand out for me because they felt so like, oh, I'm forced to feel the magic of Christmas. Mm-hmm. You know, like you need to feel this at gunpoint. Mm-hmm. And it's that's terrifying. Like I, I want an organic feel. And I think like you mentioned, there's not a lot of closure at the end. And mm. there's some aspects to it that are kind of left unexplained. Yeah. I have a theory. Oh, ooh, ooh. so you mentioned it kind of is left to feel like a dream. Yeah. I'm 100% convinced the whole thing is a dream. Oh. So Tom Hanks, obviously, <laughs> we've been talking about him this whole time. <laughs> Tom Hanks voices the kid's dad, Hero Boy's dad. Yeah. Right? And then Hero Boy goes to sleep thinking, okay, the North Pole is this desolate wasteland. There's no evidence that Santa Claus exists. He's literally a gearbox robot in the department store window. Like, all of these things, he goes to goes to sleep. He has a wild milk and cookies dream about this train with a wild, crazy conductor that picks him up a bunch with with a bunch of other kids, okay. takes him to the North Pole, and all of these hijinks that ensue. That, like we mentioned, the hobo is like a split off personality version of his dad. The mm. conductor also his dad. Like it's really interesting to try and like put it into words. Cause it's just been a theory in my head before now okay. I'm finally actually saying it out loud. But I think the connection with Robert Zemeckis yeah. and that whole, like he's big on Tom Hanks, obviously, and kind of like the sci-fi themes that he had from back to the future and things like that. Yeah. I think he was trying to make it look like the whole thing was a dream. Cause the book doesn't go into it being like a dream. Okay. The book literally just tells hero boys story of i wasn't really sure what to believe then i went and rode this train to the north pole got the first gift of of christmas and now i've got this bell to keep with me for the rest of my life to make sure that i still believe and i believe and i believe yeah okay but i think it really was a dream Mm. 
and all of the characters are played by Hero Boy's dad. <laughs> and it's just just these different versions of his dad. I don't know. It it's it's like kind of silly saying it out loud now, but I it's that, not. That, that that's my theory is that the whole thing was was definitely a dream and it was caused by this doubt for the Christmas season plus varying personality traits of his dad. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. I actually have something right on the long lines of that. Yeah. That was going to save that for the end, which well, I mean, we're, we're, right we're at, at the, the end, end. right? <laughs> L- let's give everyone the uh, competitor scores. Okay. And I'll wrap up with, uh, because what you said is incredible. It's actually like right on um, with what I had in my mind. And I, I, this is the one secret I saved. I did not like, I guess this is the one movie where we actually had a chance to kind of discuss because mm-hmm. there was so much time in between recording. Right. That we actually kind of like alluded to some of our expressions about the film, which we try not to. And going through that whole experience over in Shahela's. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it's hard not to talk about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Tomato meter is 56%. Mm-hmm. Totally understandable there. <laughs> <laughs> Audience score is 63%, which also totally makes sense. It's kind of like, hey, I don't like, we don't love this movie, but it's, it, it makes sense. It, it's a period piece. Mm-hmm. It definitely, like, it's one you stamp on the wall. Now I understand that you stamp it on the wall as, hey, 2004, we're really trying to do mocap. This is the first mocap movie. Mm-hmm. Was Grand Slam? No, but it, it exists for the, the, it paves the way. Right. right. It's a newer so. classic. It doesn't have as much, authenticity respect and history as the others but it's still really good for what it is yeah yeah um imdb is 6.6 out of 10 okay and the metacritic score is 61 so right we're a little bit higher yeah both of us are and our combined score me for some reason is the highest (laughs) of the guy who just crapped on the movie the whole time (laughs) uh but yeah we're within one point so pretty close okay do you you want me to wrap up with... Oh, I want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> You're like, whatever it is, it's going to be terrible. <laughs> no, it follows exactly the same idea you had that, like, because we're, we're... You're right. Because the whole waking up thing and then ripping the pocket... Twice. Yes. Happened at the beginning and then at the end again. So, like, we're getting some, like, inception level, you know, like, uh, the sixth sense, kind of like everybody was dead the whole time mm-hmm. kind of thing. But no, my theory is, and it has everything to do with the hobo. This is all from the perspective. This is all a massive hallucination from the hobo sitting just up against under a bridge somewhere, drunk off his fucking rocker because he lost his job with the railway station and he can't provide a Christmas for his son. He is Billy's father. And he can't provide because he can. Ne- he has a drinking problem. He can never maintain a job. Oh, no. And the railroad station that he works for, they're not unionized. So he has no protection. Like, people just abuse the shit out of him. And so he's just, just like this very, like, guy who cannot get a break. And so he's under a bridge, drunk, and hallucinating that this whole grand story is, like, there to, like, console him in a way. That, like, oh, Christmas is real. Like, everything's going to be okay. Oh, no. But Billy, because Billy is just this weird existing character that is just kind of there. Mm-hmm. He's the most well-represented, like, well-explained. The only character with a name. With a name. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And he doesn't even get to spend time with Billy as the hobo in the train. No, he's all wrapped up in the hero this boy fantasy. story. This is all a massive hallucination of the hobo who is the father of Billy. Just a whiskey dream. A whiskey dream. Oh, my god! And just trying to, like... He like this was a year. This was a year where he was gonna really make it on the railroad, 
and they laid him off like the last week of November. Oh man. And now he's just sitting there with, you know, a thing of whiskey. Well, my mind's blown. (laughs) Crazy. huh? (laughs) I didn't even think of that being (laughs) remotely in there. That's hilarious. (laughs) And he's also, uh, he's obviously voiced by Tom Hanks as well. Right. That's what we don't see, but yeah, that's so that these are all, and that's what brought it to a 7.5 because once I, 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 once I crafted that piece of insanity in my mind, I was like, this is an incredible movie. And I've shared that with nobody. This is the first time I've said it out loud. I've not even shared it with my own significant other. Like I didn't want to spoil it for her either. Oh, that's funny. But that's it. That's this is the whiskey dream of the hobo. <laughs> Seeing is believing. <laughs> <laughs> And, and shit like that at the end when he's like, uh, I, I still hear the bell, but none of my friends hear it anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like that last gleaming hope he has to maybe give Billy the Christmas. So I think realistically, Billy never got anything still. Oh, man. Poor Billy. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a sound for Billy. <laughs> oh, man. That's such a I, that's such a downer. I, I don't want to wrap the episode on a downer. So I, I guess I do want to say. Uh, thanks to uh, Shahalis, the train museum, the railroad, the, the whole, just the whole organization to make that possible. Oh, yeah. It was fantastic and very friendly people running the whole thing. Mm-hmm. The conductor was awesome. But there was separate from the conductor, there was like the lady that was walking up and down the aisles. Oh, yeah. Kind of helping pass out drinks and stuff. She's also like kind of like a like a conductor in her own way. Okay, but she's like yeah. the inside, like she's not like the train conductor. Right, right. But she's right. like a train staff. Okay. Yeah. She did a really good job. Yeah. The two kids that were that were passing out hot chocolate and as a chef. Yeah. Yeah. They were really cool. <laughs> yeah. And you can you can feel the sense of like I saw like a little because I took a lot of pictures mm-hmm. and I saw a lot of nervousness in their eyes, but it's yeah. kind of like, oh, I feel awkward doing this. Like, you know, this is a movie. But at the same time, like they're trying to like embrace it. Mm-hmm. And by the 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 lead conductor gal who was coordinating it it's like such a cool thing because i feel like for them it might have been like terrifying but like they they walk away like maybe someday being like oh yeah like i worked on the train and we mm-hmm. did this and they both looked kind of younger so that makes sense yeah yeah i just it, it was an incredible experience mm-hmm. and uh the price was what 39 dollars a person i think so yeah it wasn't super expensive yeah I, and you walk away with uh well you get hot chocolate mm-hmm. and you get a cookie souvenir tickets and a bell mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all the ticket numbers are the same which is <laughs> There's a conspiracy there somewhere. <laughs> I don't we're, know what it we're is. We're all hero boys. Just, just living our dream on the train. <laughs> oh, no. We're all the hobo. <laughs> Maybe we'll do our own spin on it where it's like, but this year, everybody's the hobo mm. and Santa doesn't show up. Oh, no. And you leave with a little tin of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> a nice hot cup of joe. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. It's just whiskey. Because even when Hero Boy drinks it, he's like, oh, but it tastes like a sock. Not because there's a sock in it, because it's whiskey. See, I thought maybe it was like coffee grounds filtered through a sock. Yeah. But I guess, yeah, it, it could be whiskey. <laughs> who knows? It's it's all in the hobo's head. Yep. So, uh, yeah, if you can get a chance to go to do this, you got to. Maybe we'll try to do a big stranded and streaming. Like, let's all go to the Pole Express. Uh, it's fun. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's worth it. Even if you've never seen the movie. I literally, uh, spoiler, I didn't know about the bell thing because I only saw half the movie and then we went to the train ride. So the bell had no deeper meaning to me. When Santa was hanging out, I was like, that's nice. Thanks, Santa. Santa's walking down, walking down the train, passing out bells. You're like, what is this about? Yeah. Like a bell. What? $39 and I get this bell. 
But now I know it's the true meaning of Christmas. Mm. So my Grinch heart. Also, that's the first time my significant other looked at me straight in my face and said, you're such a Grinch <laughs> on the polar freaking express. You probably deserved it. I, I deserve everything that's coming to me. I, I, <laughs> I'm a man that's very self-aware of that. Yeah. Do you have anything else for the fans at home? Um, no, I think that pretty much wraps it up. This would be our last uh, holiday episode for December. Right. You hear this. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess when you hear this, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, mm-hmm. Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. Yeah, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, all that jazz. Yeah, whatever you celebrate. And if you don't, then feel free to join me under the bridge and we'll drink to our fantasies. Because <laughs> that's where I'll be. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. All right. Toodles, everybody. Merry Christmas. If you made it this far and you like the show, please hit subscribe on whatever podcast listening platform you use. We're available on all major platforms such as Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and more. To stay up to date and keep in touch, check out our Instagram, at Stranded and Streaming. We'll post regular updates there for our followers. Feel free to send us a DM if you have any comments, questions, or requests for future reviews. But most importantly, thanks thanks for for listening. listening.